Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is the podcast where we dive into all the questions about transitioning into your professional career and all those difficult unspoken topics. My name is Dr. Maria Scott, and I'm a PR professional and a professor. Welcome to the Postgrad Cheat Sheet. This is season two, and we're super excited to have you all joining us for season two. As always, my host is Ashley Osmecki, and she's actually going to join us for a couple of the episodes this season before we lose her entirely to the real world. Our first episode for season two is a life lessons episode, and we're going to talk about body language, and I think that that's a really important topic. So I'm going to start off and ask, what is your resting face? Do you know what you look like when you're just sitting? You know, I have a really expressive face. I think, like, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm almost always reacting to myself. Like, I think that sometimes I live in my own little world and I just kind of, like, you know, I'm just always reacting and I just feel like I'm always, like, a little bit in my own head. But, you know, to be more relevant, like, I think that when I'm concentrating, I've noticed that I almost make, like, a duck face. Like, it's very weird, but, like, when I'm concentrating, I, like, purse my lips. Or I look mad. I feel like there's no in-between. Okay, both of those are pretty common. I do have a pro tip for you. Uh, it's actually something I learned more than 20 years ago uh, when I was in high school, strangely. And I was part of Toastmasters, which is an organization that does a lot of public speaking. And the trainer and the teacher that we had made us do an exercise where the trainer said, I'm going to pair you up. And for the rest of the day, you're going to spend two hours mimicking the person's expressions all day long back to them. So if that person does like an over-exaggerated smile, you're going to do this over-exaggerated smile back to them. And then the next two hours, they're going to do the same thing for you. So we were doing about a five-hour work event for the rest of that day. And it was extremely enlightening. And I think the biggest thing that it showed me was just how people don't realize when you don't have to be on and someone isn't intentionally looking at you to make a facial expression. So they say something funny and then they look at you to see, are you laughing? You know, if the person isn't doing that, the question becomes, what does your resting face really look like? And I don't know if people realize just what that resting face says about you. So I'm gonna go back to my Toastmasters days and ask everyone listening, do this exercise, even if you just do it at home with your family, do this where you have someone mimic back to you your facial expressions for a whole day. And you will be surprised how angry you look that you just never knew or how you're making a duck face or how you may be drifting off. And when people are like, why aren't you ever paying attention? And you're like, I am paying attention. And it's like a pet peeve of yours. The reason they're saying that is because your eyes are focusing all over the place and not actually looking at the person. So I think it'll be very educational for everyone who does this exercise. I think that exercise actually kind of sounds fun, especially like I said, with my very reactive face. I think that that might kind of be entertaining for me and whoever I do it with. But Dr. Scott, let me ask you this. So you have had me in several classes. What does my sitting class face or my body language, what does that say to you? That's a really good question. I think, again, for everyone listening, you can feel free if if you feel comfortable enough to ask the people around you that see you every day, what does my face look like? Or take a photo or a video of me when I'm not really paying attention to the fact that you're gonna be doing it. And then I can start to see these. So 
My answer to you is I think that the resting face that I've seen mostly in class has two different pieces to it. I think that you have one where you're engaged and you're making eye contact. You tend to actually smile more and look like you're focusing on the person. Then you have one where you're like, and I don't know, to me, it always looked like that light bulb moment where something goes off in your head and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. And then it literally shifts and dissipates and goes right away. And then you go into like hyper-focused mode. And that one, I think, could look a little standoffish to people. I don't know that I viewed it as mean or angry. I think for me, it looked a little, I'm so focused, don't bother me. That's where the standoffish part might come from, is just where someone's not going to want to ask you for something, or they might approach you and say, hey, I don't want to bother you, or I'm sorry for bothering you or don't be mad if I ask this, you know, and and you'll start to get those indicators of, oh, something about me is making people have this reaction. So I think that those are the two that I've seen the most. Well, I like that I come off as determined. That's something that I'm glad that people see in me, but I guess I understand that it could seem standoffish, but when I'm focused and when I'm trying to remain focused in class or at a lecture, it's hard to really be present in that focus and also be considering how I'm presenting myself. Absolutely. I think that there is another pro tip I can give you. And it's a pretty simple one. You can actually behaviorally form the habit or shift that resting face that you make. And a lot of people think that they can't. A lot of people think that I'm born with it. This is my resting face. I get it for the rest of my life. That's actually not the case. In behavioral training, you can move what your resting posture, face, all of that is. And again, it would just take some training. I know this sounds harsh and and probably like not something that a lot of our listeners are going to say, oh my God, that's barbaric. Like, why would someone use this? But one of the techniques that I was trained on was the person used a clicker, kind of similar to a dog clicker or like the taboo button. So it was a noise that was an Mm -hmm. irritating noise. Like, you know what dog clickers are like, click, click, right? And then the taboo buzzer is really irritating. It's like, Um, and the person who was training with me, actually, every time my face slipped into this more angry, focused, driven, don't approach me face, I got a click. And every time I would have to go, okay, and pull myself out of it. Now, I didn't want to go directly into a smile. I can't smile all day long. My cheek muscles would be, you know, really, really tired. So I just shifted into a face that was a softer face. And that's what you can practice. You can practice one where your your lips aren't pursed and your eyes aren't, you know, narrowed and focused. You can practice one that's just... Right. And that looks much less intimidating. Uh, And I know that this is not something that people can see, but essentially I just made a softer face and I feel like that then does come across. Let me ask you though about your body language. So we covered what your face does, but when you're working, what do you feel like your body language in terms of how you sit? Do you know if you cross your arms? Do you fidget a lot? Like, are you hunched over? What's the rest of your body doing? Well, the second that you said body language, I just straightened my posture. It's one of those things that you don't constantly think about, and I've just found myself slouching, and I just straightened myself up. But, you know, I am really big on the standing desk. You know, I try not to hunch over too much, but like I said, sometimes you just don't really think about it. So, like, maybe I 
hunch over more than I think I do. But, you know, I will say that when I'm standing while I'm working, you know, I even do that in like shared workspaces, but I feel like it might make people nervous. Like I had somebody in a shared workspace be like, why are you standing? And I was like, well, you know, it makes me feel more focused or it keeps my energy up. And, you know, like it's not good to be sitting all day anyway. So I like the standing desk. I do too. I think if it's something that works within your work model, it's totally fine to have. I would say that you do need to be cognizant of how other people read it. So I do have a follow-up question because I know you. Do you dance around or move when you're standing at the desk? Oh, yeah. I sway. Like, I'll sway when I'm at the standing desk or, you know, I listen to music. Again, like, I'm trying to keep my energy up, especially in the mornings. So, you know, sometimes I'll, like, be bopping around. And, again, in the shared workspace, I've been known to be with my makeshift standing desk, headphones on, kind of, like, bopping to the music and typing away. But yeah, definitely I'm hard to sit still or stand still. Okay, so we'll come back to that. I'll give some tips at the end. Let's move on to fidgeting. Yeah, as far as fidgeting, I'm a criminal. I really, like I said, I can never sit still, whether it's tapping my foot or my hands or clicking my pen, which I know can be annoying. Like I always think about that whenever I click my pen. I'm like, oh my God, who is annoyed with me right now? Even when I'm like actively reading or writing, like I sort of have to be moving and one of my biggest issues is that I play with my hands and my hair. Like I'm currently playing with my hands right now and I just have to stop myself. And like when I'm in front of the camera too, it makes me so mad. My hands just raise and I just start playing with them. So that's something that I'm aware of and working on. It's tough <laughs> with my fidgeting. How about on Zoom and things where some of you can be out of screen and then there's just a part of you that's in? Yeah, so another thing too with Zooms, and I feel like with Zooms and like video calls, it can be extra distracting to be moving because, you know, like your eyes are just on the screen. So I have not one, but two different devices to keep my attention to try to keep me sit still. I have a fidget spinner and like a stress ball situation. So I'll just kind of like use those like under my desk, like outside of the screen. You know, I try not to move my arms too much. Like, so it's just my hands. But there was a time where I was, I was talking to my boss and he's one of the greatest people, but I just raised both my hands. I like put my hands on my desk and both my hands came into the screen and I had the fidget spinner in one hand and the stress ball in the other hand. And I was like, I just look like I just have toys. Like I just have two children's toys while I'm on this work meeting and it was like pretty embarrassing and I probably looked insane when I noticed I looked at myself in the camera and I just slowly put them down to not really cause too much of a ruckus (laughs) but I was like that's humiliating (laughs) okay so if we kind of combine all these things together all of your fidgety and you know whatever nitpicky things that you do What are some of the other ones that you think you would do more in like an office? So in a normal office, if you're sitting there working, you can't have like a fidget spinner on your desk the entire time. You know, if it's something where you go into a conference room and you just take it and you put it in your lap so you could sit there. But what do you think, you mentioned the clicking of the pen. So you're literally sitting there like this? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Or at least like once, yeah, once or twice. Okay, so... All of these habits that you're talking about are all things that can be reversed, Mm -hmm. but you have to put in the time and effort to do it. So one of the best ones that I ever got to work through with someone was someone who bit their pens and would chew on their pens. 
And again, it seems like you're making a face like, oh, that's super gross. But honestly, that was probably less irritating than the pen clicking (laughs) or pen tapping like this. That is super irritating to people. Noise-based things tend to be more and then motion-based things. So this person just ate their pen. It didn't make a lot of noise. It wasn't like they were crunching on it, but it was a gross and a bad habit and they wanted to get rid of it. So it was something that I worked with them on and the person was a little offended at first because the two things that I knew should be helping them, they didn't work. And the person kept still biting, still biting, still biting. So I went to like more of the dog training techniques and I told the person this, I said, look, like my first two attempts at this didn't go so well. We need to move into something more aggressive. And I just took every pen that was within hand shot of this person when we went through the training and I coated it with all these things that tasted awful. Oh God. And all of their pens then were kind of contaminated. Every marker, everything that the person had nearby when we spent the day together. The first time he put it in his mouth, his eyes started (gasps) watering. He turned bright red and I was like, oh, that's the capsaicin of the peppers. And he's like, oh my God, what did you put on this? And I was like, yep. 20 minutes later, we're still training, we're still doing other stuff, picks up a different one. Now he knows not to touch that one. Picked up a different one. And this one was like super sour, icky. It almost smelled like eggs. So it had a bad smell and like a really sour, like spoiled food kind of taste. He did that one. And then he made like this other horrible face that was like, oh my God, this one's going to make me throw up. And the point of it was, it was a really good exercise. I left all of that stuff on all of his pens. So he was kind of terrified of all of his pens, but it took him about a week of practicing And the next time we got together, he said, here, my wife has given you every pen that was in our kitchen. Like he had a box full of pens and markers. He said, put that stuff on all of them. I'm really close to getting rid of this habit. Even she noticed. So this is all brand new stuff that she went out and bought. You know, she wants to keep them around the house. And I said, okay. And she, he said, it won't make her hands turn funny colors or things. And I said, nope, it's just if you taste it. And he said, great. So I put it on everything and I put different flavors on different things. And again, it's a dog training technique, but it worked great for him. And within about a month, has never put a pen to his mouth again. Wow. Within a month? I can't imagine, like, what sort of exercise, maybe the taboo buzzer to, like, every time I fidget, just buzz me. But, like, sometimes I feel like when I sit still, then my mind is what is moving. And then I'm just, like, I'm somewhere else. You know, like, the the fidgeting sort of keeps me present but maybe there's a way where I can be fidgeting and not distracting at the same time. Maybe I just need to find that. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think that where you can move to is you can come up with something. So the shaking of your leg, which is one that you mentioned, sometimes you'll like shake your foot or something like that. As long as you don't do it to where it violently shakes the table. Like there's some people who shake their leg so much the whole table moves. Mm -hmm. As long as that's not the case, I think that socially acceptable fidgeting things that's probably the best one we're at but like right now you're playing with your ring so what you have to be careful with and this is my advice to all young people especially a lot of times it reads as not being confident it reads as being nervous Mm -hmm. it reads as being not not paying attention you're playing with your ring you're focusing on other stuff you're not making eye contact and you should be almost more worried about how it reads to other people so i think just concentrating on finding one or two that are acceptable and socially okay and just 
channeling all of your energy into those and so that you don't do the ones that then make you look like you're not paying attention. There's a scene from a Tom Cruise film that's called A Few Good Men where he makes a comment and he says, I think better with my bat in my hand. And he basically just walks around with a baseball bat. He shifts it back and forth. It's not like he's standing in a, you know, hitting stance and about to swing it. It's just more he puts it behind his neck. He shifts hands with it and stuff like that. And I think that socially we are at a point where people understand that sometimes you have to touch things and move things. It's when you're playing with them all the time that really will make people wonder, are you really present and paying attention? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So like you mentioned confidence, right? So what are ways that I can project confidence and approachability? Right. I think that there's a lot of good techniques. I will go back toward the end and mention something I wanted to that the power of your people skills Cal's book discusses. But for that answer, I think the technique that's known as soften is the best one. So soften, the S stands for smile. The O is for open posture. The F is for forward leaning. T is for touching. E is for eye contact. And N is for nodding. And all of those should be done in combinations that aren't violently aggressive. Like you can't be nodding your head to look like a bobblehead dog that's in a car bouncing up and down. Right. That's not really you're supposed to do. You shouldn't be making eye contact where you're staring the person across from you down. That's not it either. But you want to make sure that your overall stance covers all of these So again, the smiling, again, it doesn't have to be, you know, this joker level ear to ear grin. It has to be smiling when it's appropriate, but also keeping an at least neutral face and not a mad face. Because if you go from mad to smiling, it's almost scarier to some people. Uh, The open posture is making sure you're not crossing your arms or when you're doing the lean forward that you're not leaning forward with your arms completely crossed to where it then still closes off your posture. The same thing with touching. This is where I think for modern reasons, we have to be a little bit careful. You can't be overly touchy-feely with the people next to you. But if someone says something to you and you wanted to get their attention, you could tap their arm and say, I agree. You know what I mean? And then move your arm back. Or I'm sorry to hear that, especially when it's appropriate. So I think that all of these are good tips. This soften thing is something that I usually make both my students and the clients that I work with on public speaking practice. And I will actually say in the middle of our session, you're missing your F or you're missing your N. And people will get so focused on something that then they never nod their head or they don't blink regularly and not nodding or not blinking regularly. Like those are things that then people notice because then you're never nodding. So there is a happy medium. Yeah, I definitely need to work on some of those things. I think that like I definitely haven't mastered all of them. I definitely smile a lot. That's something that I get I get positive feedback on. I, I'm almost always smiling. Again, I'm just sort of in my own world reacting to myself half of the time. But I'm not even sure I really understand all of these. Like, can you kind of explain forward leaning? I know you talked about touch a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about posture before, right? And you were saying how when you first were talking about it, you realized you were slouching. And people ask me the question all the time, what's the difference between slouched and forward leaning? Slouching turns your vertebrae into like a C. You're literally hunching over your own body in your chair. You can do this sitting back in your chair. You can do it in the middle of your chair. This should look to you very uncomfortable for me because it's not how I normally sit. Mm -hmm. I actually normally sit completely straight up. It's just because I've been doing this for a long time and my posture is something, especially as a dancer, it's part of my background. 
that's very different than if you were to say something interesting and I literally shifted my entire weight forward and went, wow, that's really interesting. That's what forward leaning is. Oh, okay. Forward leaning is the horizontal front to back movement. I mean, I probably just shifted forward five to seven inches in my chair. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. And especially in something like a boardroom when people are talking, if someone says something that's profound or interesting or different or unique or whatever the circumstances, and you were to go, wow, that's really interesting. That's a very visible forward lean. And that's something that demonstrates your interest. It demonstrates that you're paying attention. It demonstrates all these things. The reason that nodding has started to move a little bit in the background is there are people who have trained themselves to be habitual nodders. So if you were to talk right now, I will demonstrate what this looks like. And I'm just going to say out loud, nod, nod, so that people listening can see how much I'm nodding. So Ashley, tell me about the outfit that you're wearing today. The outfit that I'm wearing today is a nod, nod. (laughs) I'm nod. I got the skirt at Marshall's. Nod. This shirt actually used to be my mom's. Nod. I got these earrings in Mexico. They're Nod. actually very special to me. So yeah, that's, and these shoes have Nod. traveled the world with me. That's a fun fact. So I just nodded and I liked Ashley's description. I liked the outfit she's wearing. I complimented it before, but I nodded five or six times mm-hmm. just while she was saying about her clothes at times that did not need a nod. So when you say to me, oh, these are my favorite earrings, I got them in Mexico, that's a nod-worthy moment. That's for me to go, wow, that's really cool. For you to be talking about buying your skirt at Marshall's or just say, I'm wearing a skirt, and for me to nod that you're wearing a skirt, you don't need me to nod to acknowledge you're wearing a skirt. I can clearly see it. I have eyes. Right. So there are people who have actually adopted the nod as their way to zone out. Okay. So they don't listen to what you're saying, and you can kind of tell who the people are because they're nodding at non-nod moments. Yeah. So there's nod-worthy moments, and then there's just the people who nod because they nod. And it's, again, it's not super aggressive. It's not, like, again, the bobblehead dog. It's more of just that they're almost like rhythmic nodder. Like, that should be in the Olympics. We should have rhythmic (laughs) nodding. But it's literally one of those things where that's what they do. They just nod, nod, nod nod and again they don't need to be nodding at all during those times i think i'm gonna start referring to um noteworthy moments and conversations as nod worthy yes they <laughs> thank are. you for your nod worthy point that is it's a nod as i point. as i lean forward yes and when i'm telling them this yes yeah so again i think the hardest one off that list again you kind of know that smiling when to smile when not to smile and again, I think that the open posture makes sense because you're, you know, you're opening your chest. I think, again, the hardest one for people to practice and not feel awkward about is the touching. Mm-hmm. And that's really the one that comes from when is it an appropriate moment? And you want to keep the body parts to things that are like, you know, body parts that don't seem inappropriate. And, and I'll also give a really quick good example. So I met someone not too long ago, and after spending a couple days at a conference with this person, they ended up coming next to me and then talking, and they kind of just put their arm around me, were talking with their arm around me. It wasn't inappropriate. I think everyone else around us couldn't quite judge it because mm-hmm. they didn't realize that I had then spent some time outside of the conference with this person. We explored the city. We went on a tour together. We ate a meal together. So we think from someone else's perspective, they would be like, wow, that's really close for someone who you just met. 
But I had spent, again, a whole meal, a, right. a tour, you know, all this extra time with the person to where it, it didn't seem inappropriate to me and I didn't seem uncomfortable with it. And it wasn't like we stood there for an hour. It was five minutes. So I think that that's where you just need to be careful. That's probably the only one that can get a little touchy. <laughs> yeah, I like Part that. Of the pun. Um, yeah, I think that touch can be challenging. I remember one time I went to, like, agree with someone and I just put my arm on their, like, upper arm. And I remember I just, like, felt more muscle than I felt I should have. And I was like, I don't need to touch that person's arm ever again. <laughs> I was like, I'm okay now. And it was just like, yeah, I think that is one of those moments where touch can be like maybe just the shoulder or yeah I think that touch can be again touchy absolutely so I want to go back I mentioned that I didn't get to say this before but in the power of your people skills Cal talks a lot about looking for things like clusters so when you are examining either your own if someone's nice enough to say video you for a half an afternoon you know what I mean and you just set the video up and it's just recording 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 or someone's mimicking back to you if it's one fidgety thing that you do during a meeting and then you're able to sit still or just have a non-irritating habit that you do, I don't think that that's the problem. But one of the things he talks about is looking for clusters. So let's say someone folds their arms, they tuck their chin down, and then they're not really making eye contact during a meeting. That All of that cluster together says to me, that person is protecting themselves. They don't want to engage. They don't want to discuss anything. And if you're the person running that meeting or you're helping to call on people, you see all that stuff together, chin down, arms crossed, not making eye contact. That's not a person to call on then. That's not a person to force an engagement with. Mm -hmm. If the person does it every day, then maybe as a supervisor, as a colleague, there's a way to nicely approach it and sort of address if there's something else going on. But when you're looking for clusters, just the crossed arms alone, that person might be cold. You know what I mean? So just crossed arms alone doesn't necessarily mean the person's unapproachable or having a bad day or upset or whatever. But all of that together, that cluster of all three of those, that definitely sends a real signal. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that thing about the crossed arms because I feel like I cross my arms a lot. And like sometimes it is because I'm cold, but I've heard a lot of negative feedback like in my college career about crossing arms like body language and anytime I found myself crossing my arms it's never been because I'm dissatisfied or upset or contemplating it's usually just because like maybe I need to keep my hands still for a moment or like you know just kind of like I'm thinking I don't know if we talked about like power poses or not I feel like that could be one or maybe that could be something that's like taken a little standoffish mm -hmm. but you know I never mean to have that when I have my arms crossed and I think that there's a way that you can demonstrate that. So say, for example, your hands are cold. I think if before you cross your arms, you do a little bit of the Mr. Miyagi sort of like rubbing your hands together to warm them up a little bit, mm -hmm. and then you cross your arms, to me, that looks like, oh, this person's hands are cold. They're crossing their arms because their hands are cold. Uh, and that demonstration together sends me a very different signal than in the middle of someone speaking you just realize that you're about to get fidgety and this person just says something and says, so because of that, we're not going to do X. And then right when the person says that, you're like, that's not going to be taken yeah. like my hands are suddenly cold or I don't need to fidget now. It's going to be taken as that's your reaction to the person saying, and because of this, we're not doing X, you know? So I think that watching when you do something like an arm cross, looking at how the people around you perceive you, if now suddenly with your arm cross, they don't want to make eye contact with you, then you are giving that signal off that it's standoffish and not just because you don't want to fidget or your hands are cold. 
Yeah, it's like a time and place situation. It is. What are your takeaways from this episode? My takeaways are that it's okay to fidget, but just keep it minimal. And that maybe I should do a little less dancing at my desk. Although that is a very like me thing to do, but maybe just not in a shared workspace, you know? Yeah, I think going back to the dancing thing really quick as we wrap up this episode, that's where you just need to be very aware of what's going on around you. I had someone who was extremely fidgety who worked for me who had the desk right outside my office door and I could see their chair and their desk from my office. And the person was so fidgety that they just, they would, they'd wiggle around in their chair, they'd stand up and move around. And at one point I was like, look, this is super distracting because I'm on the phone, I'm trying to get work done. How about this? Can you say, hey, can you let me know when I can take a dance break? And then I have no problem. We'll make sure that you go into a space where no one can hear the music or you put your headphones on or like whatever the circumstances, dance it all out, work it all out, get like 10 minutes of it in and then be able to sit back down and not fidget in your chair to where I can't then make my phone calls or I'm wondering what the heck you're doing. Mandatory dance breaks should be standard in offices. I think it would alleviate a lot of stress. If you also notice, there will be people who you'll work with who will have habits. So like 11 o'clock every day, Sheila from the cubicle next to you will stand up and go get a coffee and do like a loop around the office. What probably is happening is Sheila has trained herself to like, I can only sit for so long. I need to get up and move and I'm going to go do this every day because then I can make my rounds and I can stop and talk to Terry and I can get my coffee and I can go heat up a snack, you know what I mean? And so they combine it with things. That's really common that you'll see as well. Yeah, well, that's good. It's good to like kind of have that break from the desk. And, you know, like I said, it's not good to be sitting all day. So having that walk or that stand, that Uh, dance. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we covered a lot of different topics today. And now you have specific nod moments and nod worthy moments that we're going to use in future episodes. So stay yes. tuned, join us, find out nod worthy moments in our future episodes. Thanks for joining us for the postgrad cheat sheet. Click in our description and visit the website to see our upcoming topics so you can submit your unspoken questions. Connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram at postgrad cheat sheet.